Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to, to look down. You guys had a long weekend, but I need you to stay with me because Focus Weekend is not finished. This is kind of like an interlude where we get to read. Kingsley did an awesome job speaking to you guys on Friday and Saturday, right? Let's give it up for Kingsley. He's not here, but we can give it up for him. And I have one more thing to say to you this morning before we go out there and celebrate baptism. I do want to ask, though, if you are ready to, to get baptized today, if you're one of the 17, 18 students, can I, can I see your hand real quick? Can I see your hand? I want to see where you are. Awesome. Hey, let me tell you two things. One, I wish that I had the courage that you have to make the decision that you are making at your age. That is the first thing that I want to tell you is way to go. And here's the second thing that I want to say. This is like the starting line, not the finish. We, we are not perfect. In fact, here at church, what do we say? We are a group of imperfect people who are all on a journey to follow the only perfect Savior, and that's Jesus. So you are just starting your race as a follower of the only perfect one. And the beautiful thing about this race, who, who's, who's run a relay before? Who's run a relay before? You're not on the race alone. You get to run with others. This is an old school baton made out of wood. The ones that you guys have are, are made of metal, right? In school or plastic. And what, what do you do if you drop it? What happens? You get disqualified. Well, that's not the case in our faith, all right? There's no disqualification. Once we have the baton, once we have the gospel of Jesus in our hearts, there's no such thing as disqualification. I just wanted to get that out of the way. But this morning, we're going to look at how to be unashamed heralds. Can we say heralds together? One, two, three. Heralds. Now, that's a word that we don't hear a lot in our language. I grew up in Miami, Florida, where our newspaper was the Miami Herald. A herald is a messenger of news. And the reason why we don't have news, like there's actually a scroll in here. I was given this baton by the founding pastor of this church, Rob Campbell, in 2020. When I started my journey as the lead pastor, the baton was handed to me inside are some secrets. Secrets. It's in the Bible, actually, John 15 and 2 Timothy 2. That's the secret to uh, continue to pursue Jesus, abide in him. And you know what 2 Timothy 2, 2 says? To pass the baton on, to entrust this to the next generation. Y'all, that's you guys. If you're sitting here, I hope that you take this to heart, that you see what God is doing in the next generation. The gospel is moving forward forth in this world, and he is going to use y'all to be his messengers and to continue his message. So who wants this baton? I'll give it. I'll wait. I'll wait. I'll, I'll do the message, and then, I'll, and then I'll hand it off. We'll do that at the end. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to read a couple of passages, and then we're going to learn how to be unashamed heralds, how to be unashamed messengers of Jesus. You guys uh, learned about Jesus yesterday, and here's where I want to turn to. I want to turn to some heralds in ancient history. First, recent history. About six months ago, there was a proclamation in the United Kingdom. That guy uh, was a herald. The queen passed away. I know, wasn't that good? Queen passed away, and that guy blew the trumpet and said, Hear ye, hear ye. There is now a king that took his place, King Charles III. He became the new king of the United Kingdom. Again, we don't do this proclamation stuff. What do we do now? 
We tweet, we post on YouTube, we, we, we do TikTok videos. That's the way that good or news is passed along. Most of that is not good news. Most of that is bad news. This was good news. Uh, 2,500 years ago or so, this is a legend. Uh, I mean, I'm gonna get his name wrong. Uh, I practiced, but now... I uh, forgot, Pheidippides, there it is. He was an ancient Greek dude, and he ran the first marathon. There was a battle on the coast of Greece, and uh, they won that battle, and he was so excited to share the news of victory in war that he actually ran for 26 miles. And you know what happened when he gave the news? He died. Yeah, you guys know it. So uh, drink water when you run long distance, and make sure that you drink those energy gels. He didn't have those. We have those now, so we can run marathons and, and all of that stuff. But he, he gave this message of victory. The battle is won. We won. The Persians are not going to come and take over. That was some good news. But the best news of all, we celebrate this Sunday. This is called Palm Sunday because Jesus, the King of Kings, the one who defeated death once and for all, came riding into the city called Jerusalem on a donkey. He was proclaiming that the kingdom of God had come to earth that he was going to defeat the enemy called death, that he was going to pay the price that our sin deserved, canceling this punishment of eternal condemn or eternal damnation and instead giving us eternal life. What did Jesus proclaim? What did Jesus proclaim? Let's turn here to Luke chapter 4. This is uh, Luke's uh, Jesus is homecoming, so he goes back to his hometown. We're, we're rewinding now in the life of Jesus, and it says that Jesus went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. So if you guys go off to college, you know, and, and then maybe you do your, this would be like coming back to Wimberley or St. Marcus or Kyle or wherever home is. He came back home, and on the Sabbath day, and that was their Sunday, so it was in a congregation like this, Jesus went into the synagogue as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him, and unrolling it, he found the place where it is written. Now, this is before chapters and verses, right? So he found the place where it is written, and he reads from this Old Testament book of Isaiah. Listen, because this is what Jesus came to proclaim. He said, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and he sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him, and he began by saying to them, today this scripture is fulfilled in your Hearing. Everyone say hearing. You guys heard a word this weekend that Jesus proclaimed that he came to set us free from sin, that he came to bring us that good news, and he came to proclaim his favor on, on you and I. That, that means that he loves you and that he's with you no matter what may be going on in your life in my life. That's what Jesus came to proclaim. And now I'm going to flip over. We read some of these verses yesterday in Romans. Kingsley uh, uh, showed you these. But I want us to now hop back in to our series that we've been walking through 
in the book of Romans, this idea that Paul is unashamed of the gospel. And we're going to learn three keys on how to be unashamed heralds. Where we are is last week, we saw that Paul was broken. He was anguished. We talked about what it looks like to have this holy anguish, to look at our lost brothers and sisters, our, our friends, our family members, those that don't yet know Jesus. And instead of judgment, to have great compassion. Paul experienced that for his own people group, the Jews, the Israelites. And so then he talks now about this good news of Jesus, starting in verse 5 in Romans 10. For Moses writes about the righteousness that is based on the law, that the person who does the commandments shall live by them. But the righteousness of, based on faith says, do not say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. Here's what Paul is saying. He's saying that there's no way for us to earn God's favor by anything that we do on our own. There's no way that we can ever be good enough for God. The reality is, is that we are rebellious inside. We, we're also wounded and we're broken inside. We talked about that this weekend, right? And Jesus came to restore and to redeem our brokenness. And so this idea that we can earn God's favor is impossible, absolutely impossible. But what was impossible for man was possible for God. That's why Jesus came down. He says, no one can bring God from heaven. No one can rescue Jesus from the grave. Only God could have done that. Christianity is the only faith in the world that doesn't talk about how we climb to God, but, but God came down for us. The only faith that believes that God became man to rescue humanity. And so that's what Paul is, is writing about. So then he writes in, in verse eight, what does it say? The word is near you in your faith and in your heart. He's quoting Deuteronomy 30 back in the Old Testament, that word, the word of faith that we proclaim. So here we go. Paul is proclaiming. He, he's, he's talking about this message, and that is the word of faith. This is Greek word called rhema. Can we say that together? Rhema. It means the spoken word, that when we proclaim Jesus, something happens in here that captures our attention. If you're in Christ in the room, I wonder when that was, when, when the word of the gospel was proclaimed. Back then, they didn't, many people didn't read, so it was literally the spoken word. Today, we can read it, but when was that moment that the message of the gospel of Jesus captured your heart. This is how we respond to it. Y'all, this is what a lot of you have done this weekend. Verse 9, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised them from the dead, you will be what? You will be saved. Saved from what? Saved from the punishment that your sin and my sin deserves. He saves us. He declares us not guilty when we are totally guilty. That is good news. Many of you have received that good news this weekend, and I celebrate you. Some of you are still thinking about that good news, and this is a place where you are welcome to come and to really look at what it 
looks like to follow Jesus. Many of us in the room have said yes to Jesus, and I know that there's also some in the room. Maybe you're here to celebrate your kid going through focus, and you're thinking about what it looks like to follow Jesus. There are three words that I want to focus in on this morning, and that is proclaim, believe, and confess. Proclaim, believe, and confess, because I believe that these are the secrets of how we can be unashamed heralds for Jesus, whether for the first time by saying yes to him or by going out and sharing his good word with those around us. Let me continue reading verses 11 through 15, and then we'll talk about these three words. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. What Jesus, what Paul is saying here is that when we acknowledge, when we're unashamed for Jesus, then he will be unashamed of us when we come in into the heaven. He will never be, we will never be put to shame even when we're rejected by our friend group. Even when we look like outsiders here on earth, this word says that God will never put us to ultimate Shame, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So here we go. How do we go? Well, in 14, there's the problem. How are they to call on one in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in one in whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone proclaim, someone to proclaim him? And how are they to proclaim him unless they are sent as it is written? How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news? Believe, confess, proclaim. If you're getting baptized today, if you're celebrating this new journey in Jesus, I want you to hold on to these three words. First of all, believe. This Greek word is pisteo. Let's say that together just because it's fun. Pisteo. Isn't that fun? Say that one more time. Pisteo. Yeah, there you go. Believe literally means to trust, to trust, to entrust ourselves to Someone. So not only are we believing that we know who God is, but we're believing in here. We are convicted that what we believe is really true. We trust Jesus at our core. So no matter what happens in life, we hold on to that truth. Here's a, a question. What are we trusting in? What are we trusting in? There are many things that we can put our trust in. And you can put your trust in yourself. You can put your trust in your own abilities to do things, in your own intellect, in your own efforts. Oftentimes, that's what our individualistic culture puts their trust in, in me. The problem with me is that I will let me down. And the other thing that we entrust ourselves is we entrust uh, ourselves to other humans, to other people. And what, what's the problem there is other people will always let us down. God never will. He will never let us down. We can always trust in him. Here's what Hebrews 6, 19 through 20 says. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. Jesus has already gone in there for us. In the Old Testament, the holiest place on the planet was the inner sanctuary of the temple of God. And, and what the author of Hebrews is telling us is that Jesus went into this inner sanctuary place where the presence of God was at. The only place where God's presence was really at 
And, and he not only went in, but he was also the sacrifice that allowed that presence to come out of the temple into our hearts so that we can be sure that he will never leave us or forsake us. Believe. What are you believing in? Where is your trust? Let's put up that question. Where do I put my trust in? That's a question that not only for students, but all of us, where is our trust? What are we trusting in? Is it our finances? Is it our vocation? Or is it in Jesus at our core? Second word is confess. Let's say that together. Confess. And the Greek word here is also fun. Let's say this together. Homologeo. Ready? Homologeo. That means to agree. It's the spoken word. It's this rhema word of faith. So not only are we to believe in our heart, but we're also to confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord. We make that uh, belief statement once when we come to faith in Jesus, we say, I believe in Jesus. I believe that he paid, uh, uh, the, the, that he paid for my life with his. I believe that I am saved. Thanks for what he did. And then we deny ourselves. We take up our cross and we follow him every day. It's an everyday confession that we get. So we, can, we confess and we live for Jesus every day. When it comes to heralding, when it comes to evangelism and proclaiming God's truth, there's really three different thoughts that I've heard uh, in my faith. The number one is just keep it to yourself. I was raised this way. My faith is my faith. I don't want to step on anybody else's toes. So when everybody, anybody like me would share, uh, like I'm sharing right now, I'd get all uncomfortable and be like, but I don't want to offend anybody. I want to keep my faith to myself. The good part of that is that it was truly in my heart. The problem with that is that there's more to it. We have to confess. We have to use our words. Another uh, way is that uh, you've probably heard this quote, preach the gospel always and use words when? Necessary. Yeah. So, so preach by the way that you live, not by the words that you say. How about we do both? Let's live it out. Let's live it out. And let's also use our words. That's this rhema word that we need to proclaim. We need to talk about Jesus in the cafeteria. I challenge you talk about Jesus. When your teacher says, Hey, you can have a five minute break. Talk about Jesus on the sideline of your athletics and in between uh, a debate and band and all these other activities. Talk about Jesus, this confessing with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. Here's why Jesus is calling us to do this, because he wants us to match what's in here. The problem oftentimes is that what's in here is not the same as what's out here. We, we believe but, but we don't act like it or we act like it too much. All we do is talk about it, but we're not really living. And in fact, this is what Jesus is saying in Matthew chapter 12. He is calling out the Pharisees. These are these hypocrites at the time. They, were, they looked really good on the outside, but they were rotten on the inside. He, he compares them to a tree and he says, make a tree good and its fruit will be good or make a tree bad and its fruit will be Bad for a tree is recognized by its fruit. You brood of vipers, not a compliment. How can you are, who are evil say anything good for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of? We need 
to confess. We, we need to homologeo. We need to make sure that our mouth, that what we say and what we do matches what is in our hearts. Here's a question for us this morning. Do my actions line up with my convictions? And, and this is something that we continually wrestle with. But we have been given the Holy Spirit of God, who is our counselor, who convicts us, and it's his kindness that leads us into repentance. And then we continue to change. Every day, we're being inwardly renewed. All of us are. This uh, celebration that we're about to have out there, baptism, that is an outward expression. That is a homologeo. That is a, some, something that we're doing externally that is actually started inwardly. It's not the other way around. We don't do something externally to influence the inside. We, we, we are outwardly expressing an inward reality that Jesus has captured our heart. And it's the same with our words. Let's outwardly express what is uh, our, our convictions inwardly. And then this third word, proclaim. This Greek word, caruso, can we say that together? Caruso. And it means to preach. It means to announce a message publicly and with conviction and persuasion. Not because we have to, but because we get to. The mystery of God is that Jesus came. He lived a perfect life. He defeated death once and for all. And his disciples were like, thank God, the Messiah is back, and now he's going to make the world right. But what did Jesus do? He ascended into heaven. He didn't stick around. And, and you know what he did? He gave us the baton, and he said, my Holy Spirit is going to come down, and now you get to be my messengers. It's us who get to take the good news of Jesus to the ends of the earth. Why would God choose imperfect people like you or me? It's a mystery, but it's also a great privilege that we have. And all of you, imagine what happens, what would happen if all of you were to take this seriously and take this to your friends and to your family members, that Jesus came to save and redeem all of humanity. It has filled me with incredible confidence. I was working in Washington, D.C. as a herald, as a messenger at the Supreme Court. I wore a fancy suit. I had a badge that got me into a lot of restricted areas. Super cool. I drove fancy cars that got me through all sorts of gates. Super cool job. And then God called me. Well, it wasn't God. It was a pastor who was a part of this church. And he said, hey, I want you to come be the student pastor, just like Tyler is your student pastor. And I changed my job from being a herald in Washington, D.C. for our government to being a herald of the good news. But here's what happened. When I started walking in the cafeteria, I would say, hey, how you doing? And then I'd get one of these. Oh, boy, here he comes again. He's going to talk to me about community group. Oh, man. And then you got the like little wave. You know what I'm talking about? Because we all do it. And you know what it reminded me of? I did the same exact thing. I was ashamed inside when I was in middle school and high school. I was, I was putting God on the sideline. But let me tell you something. Getting to do this, getting to talk about Jesus every day has filled my life with more significance than any other thing. And my hope is that you either get to do this one day or whatever you get to do as your job 
Your real job is being this baton carrier with the gospel of Jesus. I want to close with this verse. It is the theme verse for focus. We proclaim to you the uh, John is writing to this church and he's saying, we proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you may also have fellowship with us And our fellowship is with the father and with his son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. Living for Jesus is filled with a lot of trials. It's not easy. There are really hard moments, but we're also choosing this inward joy that we have in him when we call him our savior. So what I want to do now is let's all stand. I want to commission us to be heralds as we close in worship and as we celebrate baptisms. I know you've been sitting, you've been sitting on the ground, but we can stand up. You guys aren't like us older folks that actually groan when we stand up after sitting on the, uh, on the ground. Hey, uh, can we put that verse back up one more time, please? Hey, y'all, listen up real quick. Almost done. Here we go. Here we go. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard. What have you seen God do in your life? What have you heard God say to you this weekend? That's what I want you to proclaim. If you're here and you have yet to say, Jesus, say yes to Jesus, I want to encourage you that this morning we have an opportunity to receive this word for ourselves. And then we can also receive this baton for those around us. And so if you feel comfortable, I'd love for you to lift your hands just like this, because this is a posture of receiving. And what I want to do is hand a figurative baton to you. Let's pray. We thank you, Father, for the free gift of grace that you've given us through your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you that you came to save and redeem the broken, the hurting, the wounded. That you came to restore us, Lord. That you've invited us on mission. And Lord, if there's anyone in the house that upon hearing something that was said this morning, senses that that word, that rhema word has captured their heart. They're ready to do what we just read. Confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in their heart that you, God, raised your son from the dead. Thank you for the salvation that you have promised us. And so if that's you, I want to give you an opportunity to respond and, and just repeat these words after me. Simply say, Jesus, I surrender. And I make you the Lord of my life. And I thank you for saving me and giving me everlasting life. In Jesus' name.